speaking to a guy today on the phone about, vaguely about focus and concentration, yeah? But as, as it is right now, there's already a concentration and a focus of, of being a self, yeah? It's sort of like the interest and attention is just totally wrapped around that idea of you. So everything is seen from that point of view. So to try to become more focused and more concentrated, where this is more like a dispersal of your attention and interest. Yeah? You're not looking so focused. You're attempting to sort of entertain. You're not that little lens, that aperture that gets focused. Yeah, And then the mind sees, it sees nothing with like a broad view. Yeah. Sort of like the act of seeing nothing is like a very broad view. Yeah? It's not to, as soon as it goes like this, you see something. Yeah. As soon as there's a focus, and it can be focused this way or this way. Yeah. So even with trying to see nothing as a something, there's a focus. Yeah. But when it's when you entertain, you maybe not that that focuses and sort of uh, constrains the interest and interest and attention that keeps it locatable. When that is sort of entertained, that little linchpin gets pulled out, the interest and attention can disperse. And in that, to me, that's the sense of seeing nothing, in a way. By looking... It's like in this room, there's space, yes? As we're sitting here. And you can see space, in a way. That's like seeing nothing. If you're looking... It's sort of like an sort of a way of like entertaining. You're just looking, and there's no looking at something or from something. It's it's what I would call seeing nothing in a way. It's almost like you would see something, but there isn't something to see. So it's sort of like instead of it being focused on a thing, it's sort of unfocused from the things to no thing. So it's almost like seeing nothing instead of seeing something which is sort of like getting, let's say, really involved in like a spiritual practice in a sense. You become focused, or let's say, on enlightenment or awareness or meditation, you know, rock solid, that. That would be a something, yeah? So there would be a focusing from a something on a something. But this is more like that focus is, is dispersed and there's, it's, it's, to me, the sense of presence could be what you call seeing nothing. Yeah? When, the, when the mind isn't in that focused little, from one, one, one thing to another thing, and it disperses, yeah? it even sees a thing now with a very large space. Yeah? While it's seeing a thing in appearing, it also sees the space. I'm not seeing, saying like what we call seeing something, yeah, visually, but there's a seeing of mind, yeah? Almost like if you would sense the sense like a blind person has, maybe sort of a better example of it, where a blind person probably senses the space of a room. It can't see any, any of the things in there, but it gets, gets a sense of presence, I bet you. I bet you it has a sense of fucking presence when it's around, Yeah? But it's not seeing anything. But the mind is seeing, in a way, nothing. Yeah. So in a way, that's that's sort of what it can be like. Yeah? The thing that that sort of uh, locks the aperture of seeing into a formatted uh, size, let's say, is a form of looking called self-centeredness. That's the activity of it. Yeah. So here's a mind, which is a, let's say a very open lens. And then there's a conditional lens put on it, which would be self-centeredness, that really ratchets the seeing into a form of looking. Yeah? And it's very difficult, I would say, that that form of looking will ever see nothing. It's always going to be seeing something, which is a way of looking. Yeah? To me, a way of living or, or the sense of presence is seeing nothing. While all this looking at things is happening, there's still a sense of the space of it, yeah? The presence, let's say. Like when you walk into a church, don't you feel a presence? Like an old building. You, 
There's the building. It looks like it's built like other buildings. Maybe not, but it's a building that seems to separate space inside and outside. Yeah. But in this inside, it's different than a lot of other spaces. Yeah. The mind, it, it recollects something for the mind where it senses a presence, doesn't it? Like in this place. If you go outside in this church, if you haven't been in before, check it out. It has a certain presence. You can feel it. It's palpable. That's to me, is sort of like an indication of seeing nothing. Yeah? The mind, while you're looking, you say, oh, look at that stained glass window. At the same time, another aspect of mind is seeing nothing, which it's always doing. Because it's not a doing, yeah? That's it. What it is, is seeing nothing, yeah? Awareness is seeing nothing. <laughs> Even when it looks at a thing, it's basically seeing nothing. Because that's all there is, is nothing, yeah? The, the truth of this place is there is no thing. Everything is an appearance in the space of no thingness. So, the true seeing is seeing nothing, yeah? <laughs> I hope I can convey the feeling of it, because it's a feeling. You know, it may not, I, I wish I could take a test and see if, you know, because obviously from somewhere here it seems to be really clear, yeah. They're seeing nothing, yeah. It's, it's sort of like when you sense space, or it's sort of like it's the presence that can't be brought about by a form of looking, yeah. A form of looking is the activity of that presence's seeming absence, yeah? When that, when that form of looking is dominant, self-centeredness, it's, it's seemingly, seemingly, which it appears only true or false to you, it seemingly produces the presence's absence. So, let's say if you call the presence God, it's like supposedly God is everywhere, but you haven't bumped into him today. Have you? Heavens, oh, I bumped into God today. Sorry, God, I'm very but how can I not bump into you? You're everywhere. I mean, there's no room not to bump into you. But there's seemingly all day, there's a feeling that you haven't felt the presence of God, or whatever they call it. The Spirit hasn't touched you. You haven't sensed the grace. How, why is that? There must be a form of blindness, if it's somewhat true what a lot of spiritual uh, teachings have said. God is everywhere. It's all-knowing, all-powerful, all-omniscient, ever-present. Yes? Everywhere, there's not an inch of this place where it isn't. Yet you would you would expect that you would you know have some contact with it, wouldn't you? I mean, I run into people I don't want to see like all day. <laughs> so there must be some formulation that's causing us to be blind to what's always so. Yeah. Now I think it has a lot of uh, contributing factors. One is time. Because mind and time are synonymous. Yeah? Mind is dreaming through time. Yeah? So now, we believe that, see, whatever, when something is seen, it has to take time to see it, yeah? as a thing. Yeah? But seeing nothing doesn't take any time, because there's no distance it has to travel to meet an object. It's already in its proximity at all times. So there's truly, it doesn't take any time to see nothing. So time gets totally taken out of the equation, yeah? Totally taken out of the equation. In other words, this solution isn't a time-based solution. It has nothing to do, truly, it may look like you need to do stuff and purify and get better and all like this and like that. But those requirements, I would say, come from the conditional side of the mind, located or, you know, appearing to be you. It doesn't come from an unconditional mind. Unconditional mind isn't putting any requirements up for you to have to pass through to get to it. Just like that little story I used to tell with, you know, Heaven's Door, when you, the guy, I walk up to it, and I knock on the door, and God answers, and I say, God, can I come in? Yeah? And then God looks right at me and says, Paul, can't come in. So I go, what? I get pissed off. I thought I was a nice person. I've helped a lot of people. I've done service like this. So I get a little pissed, but I go, okay, I'll accept this situation. Now I'll just practice harder. Yeah? I'm going to spend more time in doing these things. First, I'll look like I'm into it, so I'll buy whites, you know, and get some, you know, Buddhist fucking beads now, and, you know, <laughs> fucking patchouli oil, whatever. You know what I mean? Get that loving gaze, you know, going. Looking. <laughs> I can't even do it. You know. I don't have a loving gaze. 
<laughs> I'm lacking a loving gaze. But whatever, you know what I mean, yeah? And so, once you feel like you're ready, <laughs> then you go back to the door, and now you got your big resume. All right, got it right here, yes. And God answers God the door, and you go, hey, can I, can I come in, God? And God looks right at me and goes, Paul, can't come in. So this time, my mind, first it was sort of tolerating the non-acceptance. Now it just flips out. Fuck you, God. And it starts going crazy, let's say. It just says, fuck you. It starts debauchery and you know, fornication and everything. And then suddenly life throws it upon a shore once again after it's been torn up. And it, when it's getting up, it has a revelation. And there's heaven's door. And it goes right over to it. And then God immediately answers it. Yeah, it doesn't take any time for God, God to arrive at the door. <laughs> and you look at God and you go, can I come in? And God looks right at you and goes, Paul can't come in. And then you walk right in. Yeah? Because what God was saying wasn't personal. It was saying a fact, which is a Paul, a Mary, a Steve. Any mind identified as a thing can't enter the kingdom of heaven. It's impossible. You can't enter something you're already in, yes? So all the, all the requirements, all this experience of exile, all the putting off something that's timeless into time, I'm just going to have to work harder and pray more and this and that, was all on this side. It had nothing to do with God. God was just stating a fact, Paul can't come in. It was direct, I thought it was directed at me because that's self-centeredness. That's the way it looks, yeah? It looks that everything pertains to you. He was just stating a fact, yeah? He may not even been looking at you. He may have been seeing nothing at the moment. And the ball can't come in. But you take it personally, yeah? So now, I walk right in, and that whole exile, which immediately as you went to heaven, you forget all about time. So all the idea of missing the bus is a story. All the longing was a story. All the having to be patient. And it, I wish it would happen faster is all a story. All that is on this side, yeah? In this imaginary little story. When you went to heaven, it's a whole other realm. And what's in heaven? Nothing, probably. And so you're just totally engaged in seeing nothing. <laughs> because for nothing to appear, it doesn't take any time. Because it's nothing. And so what arises can, can only depart, but what doesn't arise probably never departs. Yeah? And nothing never arose and will never depart. Yeah? And what seeing nothing in is just seeing. But that's what it's doing. It's seeing nothing. It's looking at its original face, like they say in Zen. You know, look at, turn around and look at your original face. What's your original face? You think there's a, a different face there that's your original face? I would say it's nothing. And all the while you're looking at things, what you're actually seeing is seeing nothing. Yeah? What's actually happening here, you could say, is an appearance of no-thingness. Yeah? No-thingness appearing as things. But when you're actually looking at a thing, what are you seeing? Nothing. You're seeing no thing. Yeah? That's a nice way to go during the day. So when you get pissed, it's not you got pissed. When you're feeling great, you didn't do anything to feel great. Yeah? Like this guy shared, you know? He, had, he thought that he had had a, clear, a clarity. If there's a sense that you had the clarity, there's going to be a sense that you lost the clarity. And I bet you, having the clarity will be a lot shorter than the duration of losing the clarity. So the, the mind, the having the clarity, the revelation may be one minute or five minutes. The, the experience of losing it may be years. <laughs> but it's always going to have, it's like a teeter-totter. If there's an identification as someone who has this, that someone who has this is going to have that. Yeah? And I've noticed in my life, the this is very, very tr transient, and the that seems to become like a residence, yeah? And I know a lot of people who, their whole life story now, is I once hit the, had this awakening, and I've been trying to get back to it the rest of my life. That's mine. That's conditional mind, writing an incredible story about its own absence. <laughs> So the act of seeing nothing is more 
the, see, I don't even go anywhere with any of that. I just look at, is there a self? Yeah? I don't think so. Yeah? What's so beyond that? It's not that I don't think so. There just doesn't seem to be one. Yeah? I don't know. The self could be something that's totally construed as something other than a body. But the way my mind takes the self to be is a body. Yeah? Or in a body. Or living through a body. Yes? But it always has the qualities of a body. Yeah? Even if you may not think you're a body, the language is about being a body. Even the language with spirituality is about a body. You're on a spiritual journey. What takes a journey but a body? Does a spirit take a journey? Where would it start? Where would it go? Does it have to go to REI to get fitted for the journey? Does it need a little thermos and a whatever, some hiking shoes? It doesn't have any feet. It's not going on a journey. It's not reaching, you know, the Mount Everest of spirituality and then cast down into the hells at the chasm of the Grand Canyon. That only happens to a body. Yeah. So the mind's whole system takes you and I to be a body. So if you're referring to that, if you're listening to that, if that seems to be the critique of you, the narrator of you, the guide for you, all of this stuff, yeah, you are going to be presented by that system as a body. Yeah. And the way the mind holds you, realizing yourself, is you as a body going through a lot of things to get to a point where it realizes itself. Yeah? As a body. It can't escape, even when it thinks about not being a body, it thinks about it with the, with the basic... Bottom line as a body. It can't escape its limitations, the system of thought and interpretation. It can't do it. Yeah? Self can't get out of self. So if the system is being attended to with your interest and attention, yeah? if let's say you can see the results, if there's a, there's a movement we call here called faith, faith is just a potential energy. Yeah? It manifests here in what vehicle it is put in. So there's faith. Everyone has tons of faith. Everyone. You don't have to have faith. Get faith. You don't have to get faith. You don't have to require faith. What needs to be done is the faith to be maybe, um, to seem not to be wanted to be put there, or just see the, the futility of it, and then to have it lifted and put somewhere else. I'm not saying you do it, because there isn't a you. But let's say if there's faith in the thought system, what is your lifestyle? A lot of anxiety. Your whole life is run by anxiety about what's not happening. Yeah? And you are a body for all intents and purposes, because that's how the thought system presents you. So if you're a devotee to that, if you have faith in the thought system, you're going to have the, you're going to be the expression, yeah, of anxiety from a realm called what's not happening. And because there's a physicality, it's going to produce the physiological effects of what we call fear by mental anxiety. Yeah? In other words, you're going to feel like there's something threatening you, but there doesn't have to be anything here that's threatening you. It's something that's going to threaten you at somewhere else at some other time. But the only time you can feel that threat isn't in the future, is now. Yeah? That is the product of faith. Faith in the system. I mean, it's a miracle worker. If you can see how incredible that there can be an effect produced in the body by entertaining something that's not happening, that's a miraculous move. Yeah? To produce fear out of nothing is pretty damn good <laughs> as a mind. Yeah? <laughs> really. And if it gets into a habit, if it has devotion to that, if it has devotion to that system, then that feeling of fear that may have been you know, promoted maybe ten times in your life, yeah, where there was a real threat, like someone was coming after you with a hammer or something, yeah, will be produced over ten times a day through the mental anxiety. So this, this vehicle that you're taking yourself to be is just being, it's like... Uh, going from uh, fourth to first gear, yeah? You miss the gear, and you're driving in fourth, and it finally hits first, the whole engine, it's a huge, and then you get back and forth. It's like doing that 20 times a day. 
40 times a day, the car ain't going to go far. <laughs> yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow the engine. Same faith, or let's say, that's what we may call it here, same potential mind, if put into something other than the thought system, yeah, which if there's a sense of being a you, that is the demonstration of faith in the thought system. If there's a strong feeling that it's you doing something or that it's you that it's happening to, that's the, that's the inherent faith in the system, that feeling of being a you. That's what the faith actually produces. It doesn't matter all the stuff it thinks about and goes over yet. Yeah? It's what it produces. It produces it the sense of that it's happening to you. Yeah? That you're the one that's feeling this, that there's a you that's going through everything. So instead of life happening, which to me is faith, yeah, there's the faith in mind is life is happening to me. Yeah, that's a huge, huge, huge difference. The faith in, in your thought system pulls it into this interpretations with like alley. Life is happening to me. It's like it's like a huge turn on the freeway. If you go at 150 miles per hour. But the mind is so do it's so used to it, it's a habit. It's just pulling everything and how it pertains to me, to me, to me, to me, to me. Yeah? Faith, let's say if there's a sense that you're not a self, yeah? which is questioning the mind's faith in false appearances, really. Yeah? There's just a questioning I don't know mind to this faith in false appearances. Yeah? When that, if that's entertained and the mind comes out of that yogic posture of selfing, and opens up, that faith now is in a different vehicle. Let's say it's in the vehicle of no-thingness, yeah? Which obviously is a very large vehicle. It's always available at all times. It's not parked in your garage, yeah? Now, that faith produces effects also, which to me translates to an ease and comfort, even if your body's not in ease and comfort. <laughs> not an ease and comfort of the body, but an easing comfort, even when the body's not easing and comfortable. Yeah? An ability to outshine circumstances, where before circumstances would put a tattoo on you, now that tattoo is more like henna. Yeah? It washes right off. It doesn't have any last ability, because the mind now is outshining the circumstances and the situations. No effort on its part. Yeah, there's no story that it's you doing it, because if there's a story about it, you doing it, that will become a bonding agent. Yeah? One experience of outshining circumstances and situations claimed by a you, now every time the you thinks it's not outshining circumstances and situations, there'll be hell to pay. You'll be using that as your ruler for how you're doing. Well, it's not like that moment, that epiphany moment. Yeah? There'll be so much fucking identification going on just by that one claiming of your own absence as a self in your life. In your life. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> what is it but... It's like an epiphany. What is that? Check it out. What happened if you ever had one? When did it end? It usually ends with the thought, I just had this incredible spiritual experience. <laughs> now it's claimed, boxed up, conceptualized, and neutered. And now you put it on your little spiritual mantle. Look at that epiphany. And it was at a waterfall in Bali. Fucking unbelievable. I was like a chosen one that day. Look at that. Yeah? Now that epiphany, its own, the self's own absence becomes a bonding agent. For, you, for the self-story, the rest of your days here. Oh, you've never got as good as that. <laughs> it's never going to get good for you, ever. You're not going to be here when it arrives. It's already prior to you. It's not going to happen to you. You're not going to be able to reap the rewards of it. It's your absence, as how the mind has constructed you. It's not... Your absence, your absence. This presence, taking this to be you, causes the presence to seem absent. Yeah? And of course, now you may get the bug up your butt that I want the present to be present for me. That doesn't go well, does it? Because it can't be present while you're present, in a way. 
in a way, I mean in the story. It's through the absence that you become aware of the presence. Yeah? By this absence, you become aware of the presence. When this is absent, which it always is, then there's the presence, which is always is. When this is present, then absence becomes an experience you may have, usually never now, always somewhere else at some other time, based on what you do or don't do. Yeah? It's just like, you know what, in, the, in spiritual terms, if someone's a Hindu, they see Krishna. If they're a Christian, they see Jesus. I don't, if they're a Jew, I don't think they see anything. You know? <laughs> if they're a Buddhist, they see Buddha. Isn't that interesting? I would say it's your Buddha, your, your Jesus, and your Krishna. It's not Krishna, Jew, Jesus, and named Buddha. It's your, it's mine giving you its God. While it's playing God, yeah? In recovery, I don't know if you're in recovery, but the biggest, one of the biggest points of the recovery program, as it's written in the book, is the third step, which is the main principle just the surrender or turn your will and life over to the care of something greater than self. Really. Because, yeah, nothing else works for an alcoholic. Really. You have to find a power greater than the power you're under now. <laughs> because this power, the only thing, if you want to call it being afraid of, the only thing it's afraid of is a bigger power. It doesn't, it's not afraid of concepts about God or anything like that. None of that threatens it whatsoever. No practices threatens it. It can meditate for 13 hours as well as drink for 13 hours. Seriously. It doesn't have any trouble with taking advantage or claiming anything that appears. Yeah? But a power greater than it sort of creates an effect or produces an effect on it. Yeah? can change it a little bit. Yeah? So in, in the program it says the whole how and why of this third step, which is to surrender or turn one's will life over, is to quit playing God. Yeah? And how and why is a pretty comprehensive statement, yeah? When you're checking something out, if someone says, well, I'm going to give you a, a, a concise hit on the how and why of it, that's a pretty major statement, yeah? So the how and why of it is to quit playing God. Why? Because it didn't work. <laughs> Simple as that, yeah? So the selfing, the selfing is playing God, yeah? It's already claimed consciousness, it's already claimed to be the one who's seeing, who's facilitating the seeing, the hearing, the feeling, the tasting, touching, even the thinking, which is a very subtle activity. Truly, you can't see them, can you? It's, you can't see them. I can't, oh, look at this one we got. Oh, this thought about Santa Cruz. Oh, you know, you can't see them. They can't weigh them. It's a subtle thing, but the mind is claiming to be the one that's doing it. Yeah. Now, and you see the weight the differential of weight when something is a body and then it's my body, or a thought or my thought, money, my money. You see the huge difference in what it means by that simple word, my, yeah? To me, my is the act of claiming or identifying, yeah? So as soon as the mind takes something to be its own or its own property or whatever, it changes its take or its stance here. It gives a lot of meaning, yeah? And that my represents, let's say, Mary or Paul, or whatever, whoever, whatever your name is, yes? And that Paul represents tons of meaning. Tons of meaning, like we call them old ideas and beliefs and conflicted emotions and unconsciousness and all this. There's tons of stuff there, yeah? And this stuff transfers meaning to whatever seen, felt, heard, tasted, or touched, or thought about. That's what it does, yeah? So here's these activities. The mind in this idea of being a self claims the activity as something it's doing or having, like this is my body. And now, what this mind is represented by St. Paul is tons of old ideas and conditionings. They get injected into that topic, be it the body, time, money, boyfriend, girlfriend, health, whatever it may be, and tons of meaning are given to that topic. Yeah? And then, the topic is thought about as if you're discovering these meanings. Oh, health just came up, and it's just all these thoughts popped out of it. No, those thoughts were given. The meaning was shot into them. Yeah? The mind is doing. So mind is the bridge to 
This huge amount of meaning to the meaning that's met here, the things, is mine. You can see it in relationships. There's a woman or a guy you're seeing. It's a lot of fun. Then one day it becomes my girlfriend and shit hits the fan a lot of the times. You're up on stalking charges a few months later. (laughs) You're breaking into her email account trying to find, who is he talking to? As if you have fucking any right, yeah? But the whole thing changes with mine, doesn't it? As soon as something, well, why do you think, you know, you you think that's a random uh, example? That's the activity of mind, conditional mind. It gives meaning to things here. That's all it does, yeah? It gave meaning to this thing, and it gave this thing the biggest meaning, which is me, or you, and then from there, it distributes all the other meaning it wants to give to things through this you called self-centeredness. That's how it does it, yeah? So everything is looked at as how it pertains to me. (laughs) There is a solution. The solution is, the problem is an imaginary one. Things are not true to you. They're appearing to be true for you. It's Everything here is seemingly. Everything is seemingly so. Just like in recovery it says, we are a hundred men and women who have seemingly recovered from a homeless, no, who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Obviously, if it was a hopeless state of mind and body, there would be no recovery from it. It was just seemingly hopeless, Yes? So it was appearing to be true or false to us. So the mind, the mind identified as this, is what's giving everything the meaning. It has. So things are seemingly the way it seems to be. <laughs> so obviously, if there's not a real way they are, it can change quite, quite, quite dramatically, yes? But the stubbornness of the system is you're identified as a self, yes? Now that self is the distribution center of all the meaning. To try to work on the thoughts it thinks it's having, to me is pointless. Because if it ain't this thought, it'll be that thought. It doesn't matter, yeah? It really doesn't. It's just gonna, sh- it'll just give meaning, it's like a, it's like projectile vomiting, yeah? It doesn't look, <laughs> just, <laughs> It's not gonna, it's not like, oh, if I just have positive thoughts, everything will work out great. It doesn't, does it? No. Of course not. Because the whole point is, isn't here, it's where the meaning is being distributed from. If I'm not that, yeah, then the whole system, the whole system weakens, and then somehow, now new meanings are given to your daily affairs. New meanings are given to people you've known a long time. New meanings are given to you. New meanings are given to a lot of things, yes? And so in one sense, with self-centeredness, let's say every canvas of every day was presenting a lot of colors, but there was a projectile vomiting of, let's say, yellow on everything. So everything has this yellow tint, yeah? So you keep trying to change things out there as if they're the things that have yellow tint. But the yellow tint isn't out there. The yellow tint is coming, yes? The lens is causing it to look yellow. There's no yellow out there. So trying to change everything isn't changing this, in a way. Yeah? And changing and not changing are both mirroring self. Yeah? But if you're not a self, then something can shift. The mind... Being not a self, as soon as it's not a self, let's say in recovery, if there's an identification as self, the best you can do is to get therapy for your dilemma or to do a program, yes? You, your mind cannot entertain being free of it because it's identified as it. It cannot entertain being free of self if it's identified as a self. All it can do is, I want to get a little relief from self, I want to understand it better, I want to socialize it, civilize it, whatever it may be, yeah? But there'll be no freedom. But if you're not that, this instantaneously the mind, when it entertains on that, that entertains it can be free of it. Obviously. If you had a host- if something was very hostile, took you over, yes? And there was a recognition immediately that it wasn't you, it would be probably easy to get rid of it, yeah? But this hostile takeover, in a way, this mental parasite, convinces the mind that it's you. 
So as soon as it takes over, no matter how hostile it gets, you, you tolerate it, you put up with it, because you can't see it being any different. Yeah? You can see it being a little different, with a lot of work. A whole lot of vigilance may produce a little bit of relief. Yes? So you're enslaved to the idea of being a self. So you can't entertain being free of it. But if it's a foreign installment, and you entertain it as such, what does the mind do? It doesn't even leap to the conclusion, I can be free of it. It's instantaneously available. I can be free from what I'm not. Yeah? That's why the real root is identification as self. Because if there's an identification as self, then it's you becoming, trying to become free, which is a form of bondage. Every activity of getting out of self can be looked on as a form of being in self. Because it's you still, it's like in recovery, he says, perhaps there's a better way, trusting something infinite than my finite self. That's, that's what it says, it's a beautiful statement. Perhaps there's a better way. It says, you know why you're in fear today? It's because self-reliance has failed you. Yeah. So any, any mind relying on self is going to produce something with that reliance or faith, and that's called fear and anxiety. That's what it's going to produce. Yeah. If you have faith in an unreliable system, yeah, that demonstrates in an experiential realm. What's your experience going to be? Anxious, fearful. Yeah, of course. So here, perhaps there's a better way. What is it? Trusting something infinite rather than finite self. Okay. So now you can try to sort of say, I don't believe in my thought system. These aren't my thoughts. But there's a thought prior to all other thoughts, which is your self. If that ha if that isn't seen, it doesn't matter how much happens here, yeah? The, the basic bonding mechanism is in place, yeah? But if you can go to the original thought, which is wrapped with a sense, a feeling of being a self, a feeling of being prior to events, a feeling of being prior and, and like, after an event, yeah? Something that always seems to be so, yeah? If that can be looked at as not you, yeah? Then that whole system weakens, totally weakens. Mind comes out of that yoga posture, and now the intention and interest that is rooted in serving this is dispersed. And then you sense a presence by the absence of you as you. The you of the mind. Yeah? And then now that you've been trying to get out of every freaking second you've been here, this now that seems so unbearable, this mental now, which is only a mental now, bookended by a mental idea called the past and the future. So this now isn't the now, yeah, if you want to call it that. This now is a mental interpretation of now, which is basically super influenced by past and future. All it is is meanings of past and future being experienced what we, in this call, what we call now. That's the mental now the addict wants to get away from every fucking second. And it doesn't matter how much, what the consequences were. The type, I, the type of alcoholic that was happening here was, I was willing to pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now. And that's the uncomfortable now. It's a mental now. It is not what you would call the now. Yeah? The now doesn't, isn't bookended in time. It's not a piece of time. The now, I think, is represented more in AA called the pause. Yeah? That pause, that the mental movement, the speeding train of self-will, yes, gets stopped. And in that pause, that's the now, in a way. That pause isn't bookended by past or future. It's not a fucking meaning dump where the mind can just dump all its meanings. Yeah? There's a pause of all that. I would say that's what we are, is that pause. What we are, I would say, is what continues when you stop. You know? And selfing, because it is a verb, can be stopped. Right now, I sense that there's that pause. And there's uninterrupted seeing nothing. That's why you never notice it. Mind is always seeing nothing. Every second we're seeing something, looking at something, that's seeing nothing. There's never a moment that there, that, that there isn't seeing nothing. That's the beauty of it. That's the presence. Yeah? It's always available at all times. While, like St. Francis says, what's looking, which I think is seeing nothing, yeah, is what you are looking for. 
<laughs> so what's looking, which to me is seeing nothing? Huh? What is it like in the day? How many things have you seen today? How many things that you run into? But right now, doesn't it seem like nothing happened? Yeah? Isn't that a feeling you get a lot of time? You live a day, and then <laughs> it's sort of like, it seemed like it all happened to you, and then it just passes into nothing, in a sense. Yeah, just... Psh, 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 psh. Yeah. <laughs> so, and no matter how many somethings you get, no matter how, if you've acquired tons of something, what does it always end up to be? Nothing. Yeah. Why not just start at nothing? <laughs> it probably saves you a lot of time. Because <laughs> every something's probably going to have to be put down, yeah? Everything that's picked up has to be put down. That's the nature of this place, yeah? But seeing nothing is always happening, so it never, it's never really noticed, isn't it? But in the absence of this as you, that's the sense of that presence, yeah? And that, to me, is a presence that's not bookended by time, not bookended by past ideas and future worries, yes? It's not the now of the mental realm. I gotta get into the now. That used to flip me out within these books where how to get into the now. You have never been out of the now. What's the point of trying to get into something that you're already in? You must believe you're out of it. That's <laughs> and as soon as you as soon as you try to get in it, what does that reinforce? The state of being out of it. In a way, you get the opposite result that you were looking for. I really just want to get into the moment, but the moment you're going to get into is actually the moment of being out of the moment, <laughs> the seemingly so, yeah? <laughs> that used to flip me out, the self-help books, all right, how to get into the moment. <laughs> I think everyone wants to get out of the moment. The moment that you think you can get in is the moment you really want to get out of, don't you? Fuck. So what happened with me, my whole drive as an addict was to get out of here. The here that I was never in. <laughs> so the more I tried to get out of it, it made up a seemingly real here. Yeah? And I always woke up, when I came out of a run, I woke up to the dread of being here again. But that here never existed. It was just made up. Yeah? It just produced an incredible huge mental movement that went nowhere. Yeah? I'm trying to get out as fast as I can. And I'd always end up saying, oh, I don't, ten days, it didn't create any distance from that terrible year. Five days of running, no. A day running, no. Nothing ever produced a distance. Yeah, I was always here. But underneath that mental here I was trying to get out of is the here that was the salvation, in a sense, or the solution to the addictive mind. And yet the addictive mind, it was the last place it wanted to be. It's so incredible, eh? The last place it wanted to be was the solution to it. So when, when I was out there, when I was young, things happened, seemingly to me, that overwhelmed the hell out of me. Eh? I wasn't emotionally equipped to take people I loved dying when I was nine years old. There was like a huge shutdown. And then from that point on, the mind decided, i got to make all these fucking things as unreal as they can be, because they're way too much. Yeah? They produce feelings I don't want to have anymore. I don't know what to do with this. I can't manage this. So I immediately started to try to escape from this place, make things as unreal as I can be. So first it was alcohol. First it was science fiction and Edgar Allan Poe and reading like that, trying to escape. Yeah? Trying to make this place unreal. Then it was drinking and using. Then it was spirituality. Yeah? All these things I tried to do was to make something that seemed so fucking real, unreal. But it was only to the point where I finally let it be as real as it wanted to be that I saw its nature, which is it's unreal. All the while, I was given the reality to something that was unreal. Yeah? That's the activity of the mind, the conditioned mind, is to give a reality to what's not real. Yeah? Even when you're getting out of it, it's being in it. In a 
sense the damage is already done. You're taking the be you're taking something to be a something and a somewhere to be a somewhere. It's like in a in the jungle, let's say the predator it's easy to see the predator and prey relationship. Yeah, the predator grabs the prey and rips its neck out, yeah. But in this little mental idea, if you want to call it the selfing or the ego or whatever, the selfing has you by you moving away from it. That's how it has you. If you would just look, you would see nothing. But you're not looking. You're not seeing. You're looking from the mind's eye, and it's a whole big fucking something. And so you're running and seeking. You think you're moving towards something. It's moving. Usually you're moving away. Yeah? We see things. We see a movement, and we say, oh, I'm moving towards that. But really, the movement is usually generated somewhere that you're not aware of, a moving away. You're moving away at breakneck speed, and then you, you misconstrue the interpretation, and you think you're moving towards something. But it's a moving away, and that's how it has you, in a sense. It can only have a you. Yeah? If you're not that, that's been had then that's the experience, not the experience, that's the sense of not being had. But not for a you. Because anything that's been had will not be had, then will be had again. Yeah. It can't go any other way. Close predicts far. Yeah? Love promotes hate. Yes. Connected, disconnected. Conscious, unconscious. That's what mind's done with awareness or consciousness. It says, it's claimed it to be a verb that it's doing. It's a pretty amazing move. And now, our experience here as this is that I'm conscious or unconscious. I was really unconscious, and then I went to this retreat, and I've been feeling really conscious lately. And yet, I went back to work, now I feel unconscious again. And so, I better sign up for the longer retreat, so I can feel more conscious. Yeah. And if I go to a long enough retreat, I'll really feel conscious, and maybe, just maybe, it will stabilize. But I don't really believe that. I believe I'll be unconscious based on what I do or don't do. Yeah? Yet, if you see state, stateness, which is, let's say, consciousness, yeah? Which isn't a verb that you are doing, but a state that's present, yeah? What would you need to do to entertain that? Absolutely nothing. Yeah. When could you do it? There's only one restriction. It's now. But now is the only reality in all this dreaming of thought. Yeah. If you could go to the past... And arrive back to where you once were, where would, when would it be? Now. If you could get, if you could arrive at your future goal when you arrive there, would it be called the future, or would it be now? Every moment on the path to that future goal, what would you call that? Now, 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 now. I would say there's just one stream of now with like a little mental ruler of interpretation breaking what's seamless into Little increments, yes. This is the, 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 the. <laughs> but wherever you end, any wherever, and whenever you end, any time, it's now, yeah. <laughs> so, is don't you believe like looking, self-centeredness? Isn't it a, a, a aperture? Isn't seeing turned into like a focus? Activity, yeah. And therefore, having faith in that system, you believe that if I focused more or concentrated more, that it would produce what this level of focus and concentration isn't producing? Isn't that the case? Isn't that the hope? Like in recovery, it says the main delusion in recovery is that even though, obviously, managing has failed, we think if we could only manage better, it would all work out. Isn't that faith in the system? that blinds you to its, its inability to produce the goods? Well, isn't that the same thing? If I concentrated 13 hours and nothing seemed to have happened, I bet you if I concentrated more for 15 hours, it could probably, maybe. Yeah, if I just 
instead of a one month, maybe four months. I have no problem with going anywhere. I'm just saying, sharing something about mind, yeah? But this is more of a, like a dispersal of attention. The seeing nothing is, how can, how can that be focused? How can that be a concentration? <laughs> if seeing nothing is always available at all times, and if you want to call it, it's everywhere, then there's really no need to focus. It's more questioning, am I that, you know, that seems to be the one who's having this tunnel vision called self-centeredness. If I am not that, yeah, not saying, okay, if I'm that, it has to be self-centeredness, then I'm going to change the self-centeredness. That would be the self-centeredness. Yeah? But if I'm not that, and just entertain the possibility, then, like St. Francis says, what's looking, or if you want to say what's seeing, is what you're looking for at every second. That's the seeing. While the mind's interpreting seeing nothing as looking at something, there's still the sense of seeing nothing, because that's what's happening, actually. Yeah? The interpretation doesn't, if, if entertaining doesn't outweigh what's actually happening, which is seeing nothing. Yeah? When you're looking from the interpretation at seeing nothing, you made it into something, yes? That's what that's a form of blindness. But let's just say you you give up the main cog of this whole interpretation being a self, and then you're seeing you're seeing from nothing and you're looking at something, what are you actually going to be seeing? Nothing. It's gonna have an impression on mind. You're actually constantly seeing nothing. It's not something you did or stopped doing. It's never been done. It's always doing. Yeah? It's always available at all times. That's what presence is. I'm just equating it to a, a sense of awareness, which I call seeing nothing. Yeah? It's juicy. Mind, in, mind gets, enjoys it. There's a, there's like a real tasty aha in there. <laughs> it's like, and then some of the, the like the, you know, you ever see something that's been painted twenty times? Yeah. It's very difficult when you want to paint, get back to the bottom of it. You have to seem to break through. Well, in a sense, what starts dropping is all these layers of meaning <laughs> that have been given to things over and over and over again. They just sort of peel away. And in the peeling, there's a relaxation that comes over you that's not like getting a massage, yeah? It's not like that, oh, I worked out the tight muscles. It's way beyond that. Well, I don't want to say beyond it, but it's a, di it's a different form of relaxation in a way. Like my friend's kid says, uh, what is it, chillax. It's like chilled and relaxed put together. Chillaxed is going to be my new word. It's a level of chillaxed that selfing can't entertain. Because anytime selfing's entertained being comfortable, it's worried that it won't be. Yeah? So that's not really entertaining and comfortable. Yeah? Anytime you really let go as a body and a self, there's always a, t a tension that it won't last or you know, you're going to do something to fuck it up. <laughs> you can't really enjoy anything in time. It's just, because there could be a time that it won't be happening. Yeah, so the mind is at the effect of its own imaginings, yeah? So this is out of that ball game. So you can really just, then the meanings get peeled off, yeah? It's almost like a, 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 an onion. All there are are layers. There's no center. All you see is when the meanings get peeled off, there's nothing. When you get bound, there's such a something that's made up, but it's nothing when revealed. Yeah? The layers of meanings drop, and there's no thing that the meanings are about. It was just empty space being filled with meaning by the mental activity of selfing. Yeah? If you, just, if you take any meaning that it gave something, let's say like you go, oh, I'm really afraid of getting fired. Well, what, then you just ask yourself, what does it mean to you to be fired? And then you'll see a certain level. Well, it means that I, I won't have any money. I'll get kicked out. 
All right, what does it mean to you that you don't have any money? I won't be able to pay for where I live. I'll become destitute. All right, what does it mean to you to be destitute? And then you'll get, you just keep bringing it down, and you'll get to a point where there's no more meaning given, and it's nothing. All it is is space filled with meaning. There's no thing that you're actually afraid of. Yeah? Being destitute is not what the mind's afraid of. It's the meaning it gives to destitution. Yeah? Yeah? It's a meaning to destitute. It's like an imaginary center, like cotton candy. Tons of fluff, but there's nothing, there's nothing holding it all together. Yeah? <laughs> it's just fluff. It looks like something, yeah? It looks like, hey, I look at what I got for five cents, but it's really nothing, you know what I mean? Wow. <laughs> there's nothing there. It's all it is is meaning. Meaning. And if you follow any meaning to its root, it's nothing. All there is is space. This is about entertaining the space while the meaning seems to be appearing in it. Yeah? Doesn't matter how much meaning's chopped in, all it is is meaning appearing in space. Does it take up any space? No. It appears in it. Just like if I move this chair, the only way you could remember the chair would be by memory. You can't see it anymore. And no matter how long this chair was here, the only thing it affected was the rug it was on and maybe it hit this wall. It didn't affect the space it was in, and it didn't take up any space, did it? When I move the chair, do I have to move space in to where it was? Is there a point where I move the chair that it, there's no space there? Or is it just an appearance, basically, in the space? And what's the difference between the chair and this object? If I walked away, the only way you, re you can only remember me, you wouldn't be seeing me anymore. And did I have any effect in this space? If I hit myself here, one appearance can hurt another appearance, can produce an effect on another appearance, but no appearances can produce an effect on the space. Yeah? I would say our mind is like space or open sky, not a thing. Yeah? entertained, the thing seems to travel lighter. And that's its whole drive anyway, isn't it? It likes to be there, but that's the admission. It can't, it can't be there when it gets good. <laughs> if it gets good when it's there, it claims, if it claims it being good, it'll be bad. And I'll tell you, the good will be short and the bad will be long. <laughs> that's its interpretive scheme. Yes? Good long, bad, mm. just like that. I remember in my head, you'd be feeling good, you'd get suspicious. When are you going to find out I don't deserve this? I shouldn't be in this concert. I didn't pay for it. I shouldn't be sitting here. But if you're feeling bad, you say, oh, I'm entering a lifelong depression. <laughs> Joylessly, too. No question. No, yes. This, I'm telling you, it's going to be like this forever. you got to see the system that seems to be running the show. best way to get out of something is realize you were never in it. This is the only way it works. If you keep applying solutions to an imaginary problem, that's a big fucking problem. It really is. So if I'm not this, find out what happens, yeah? But you can entertain you're not that, can't you? Can't you? Can't you just sit there and see... Seeing nothing never blinks or anything. It's just an awareness, which to me is seeing. And in a sense, what it's seeing is nothing, which is, which is its original face. So, I think we're all looking for something as a noun, and it just it appears here as a verb. Yeah, it's not a thing. So you can't recognize it, but there's a recognition but they can't, it's not an it they're recognizing, yeah? There's a recognition in the act of awareness. That's the closest you're going to get, I think, to seeing your original face. It's just sensing the, the sensing the oddness of that, yeah? 
like your head's been trained to look a certain way, which blinds you to seeing everything. You know, you can't, the mind can't do it. It sees everything as something, millions of somethings. To, to sort of to, to try to convince it to see otherwise is not going to work, I would say. But if I'm not that, which is the center of that whole form of seeing, called looking, I mean self-centeredness, then maybe the seeing will become obvious, yeah? be a shift of emphasis, and now while you're seeing something, there'll be the seeing of nothing. So like we were in Joshua Tree, this desert this week, so the sense of the space there is the sense of the space in this room right now. Exact same spaciousness. This may have a ceiling, but it's just like looking at the sky because they're seeing nothing. Same thing, yeah? 